Welcome to the second season of Alternative Parenting Podcast, where we learn how to guide our kids to find their own path while supporting them in cultivating traits that will empower them to live a life of fulfillment, meaning, and satisfaction. I'm your host, Efrat Amira. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a very special episode for you today. I'm hosting Claudine Mossberg, the founder of Outdoor Play Connection. We talk about the challenges parents have in getting outdoors and how to overcome them. We discuss how much being in nature improves mental health for our kids and ourselves. We mention the immense amount of learning that is happening when our kids are outside playing freely in nature. Claudine also gives us so many valuable tips about how to deal with some fears that parents have around nature. So I hope you enjoy this inspiring conversation. Here it is. I have a really special guest for us today, uh, and I'm really excited about this episode, actually, because this is the first time that I'm hosting someone on the podcast. And our topic today is going to be uh, being outdoors. And the reason that, that I'm bringing this up right now is because it's summer and it's beautiful outside um, and kids are off school, which is great. And moreover, um, the deeper reason for it actually is the need for kids to be outside more in general, not only in the summer. So this is one of the reasons why I'm bringing Claudine up here today. Because there has been a very big shift uh, in the last decade, decade or so uh, with kids just being much more indoors than they used to. Um, and if they are outside, it's going to be a lot of time just organized sports and not just free play and free exploring outside. Uh, and, you know, I remember from my childhood... I remember we had like this little forest behind our house and I have the sweetest memories from that forest. We would just go a group of kids unsupervised, you know, from all ages and we would just play freely there. Um, and there were a lot of pine trees. So I remember we would collect the pine cones and just eat the nuts. And I feel, you know, that, that was just such a lovely experience. Just the freedom and how much it, I remember it empowered me, you know, it made me feel um, independent and strong and empowered. Um, yeah, so that's something that I try to give my kids today. You know, I try to let them be outside as much as possible. And we are very lucky and fortunate that we live near a beautiful uh, forest. We have, we have a lot of green space around us and we, I try to get them out every day outside, even if it's snowing, even, even if it's raining. And it's a very important thing to me. Um, and recently, actually, I read a book uh, that's called The Last Child in the Woods. 
And he talks about the uh, mental implications uh, on kids not being outside enough, not being outdoors. And he actually said, he actually, there is a, um, a condition that he calls nature deficit disorder, uh, which is like kind of like ADHD. Um, and he explains how the fact that more and more kids today have ADHD and uh, anxiety, anxiety conditions, uh, depression is most likely due to the fact that they're not outside free and close to nature as, you know, as I think, and I believe is our nature to be. Um, so yeah, so I want to introduce Claudine. Um, I want to, I would like for you to start and just, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how, how it all came about. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so happy to be here and talk with you and share with more parents uh, what's so important, as you said. And uh, before I get into myself, I, I just want to say that I, too, as a child, had that experience of a forest down the block where I used to go and play with my sibling and other friends freely, exactly how you expressed. And I do see that deficit now in that it's not really what happens anymore. So that is a very true thing that we see now in the difference uh, from our childhood to children now. Um, so I'm a mom of three. I have um, a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a four-year-old. I moved to New Jersey from Brooklyn. And when I left New York City and came to New Jersey, I was very concerned in finding people to hang out with. I was a little nervous about coming to the suburbs after being in the city with kids. And so the first thing I did was invite people to do something I enjoy doing, which was go out in the forest and explore with my kids. And that experience was very impactful in my journey and what I do now because I had 30 families show up. And all the kids were running and playing in the puddles. It had just rained. And I kept hearing over and over from all of the parents there how it was so wonderful to be there. And they really just needed someone to invite them. Everyone wanted to do what we were doing, but they just felt there wasn't a way to do it. We were in a public place. Anyone can go there at any time, but there is something about that invitation and someone else bringing you there that makes it more possible. And so I have been on this journey over the last eight years of bringing outdoor play to families and helping outdoor play be easier for families and showing them how to do it because there's so many questions that hold us back and really allowing them to have permission to let their children play freely and uh, helping them break through those those kind of like the instinct is there but society has put some pressure on us where we ignore those instincts sometime so over the years I've built a lot of outdoor groups um, in my own area I've helped parents create outdoor groups in their areas that are further away from me and in the the last few years, I've done some coaching with parents to help them find ways to get outdoors that works in their schedule. Because as you said, so much of our days are scheduled right now. And uh, it's almost like we have to relearn how to be unscheduled and to allow that free time to happen. So I've done some coaching with parents. And now I've recently in the last year 
have created outdoor groups locally. Um, I have a parent and child-led group where we do nature art play and a child-led hike. And then I have a nature school, which is a drop-off optional and allows the kids to have lots of free play time along with learning survival skills and really just learning and connecting with nature in that time. And all of my classes are two hours plus because I really feel that it, that you need at least two hours in all of this. So it allows for that <clears throat> free play and that time to really um, connect and separate yourself from the day, so to speak, and to be present. So my goal is to bring as much comfort to parents in getting outdoors with their kids and simplifying it for them and helping them find the ways that this works in their lifestyle. So what are some of these discomforts that you have uh, encountered with parents? It goes from everywhere from, I want to be there, but I don't know what to bring. I don't know what to wear. I don't know. Um, I've never done it before. Um, how do I get my kids uh, out of the house if my kids are um, really resistant to getting outside. Um, how do I fit this in my busy schedule from working moms with, you know, working par both parents, working, having a busy schedule, kids in school, like how do I fit that time in? What does it look like for me? Um, I've had a lot of moms come to me and say, I really want my kids to have this experience, but I just don't know how, and I'm out of my comfort zone and we work together. And I now have a mom that it's an amazing story. Her son is two. And she just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is very like, I just don't know where to even start. And we worked together. She joined one of my classes and now she's actually leading a class this coming fall. So she's become a leader of one of the classes. And so that's kind of the power of community and really embracing the fact that when you come together, you can learn together and find that comfort because all of my groups do promote community building and really allowing parents to connect. That's why I make sure that there is a parent-child option and the nature school is drop-off optional to give parents that flexibility uh, because it is really about uh, creating that community to support each other. And when you have a group of people that are all trying to figure it out together and have that support, you can do hard things. That's awesome. And have you encountered fears of parents around nature? Yes, I've had parents who they're just afraid to go out because they're not sure of what to expect. They're like, I don't know what poison ivy looks like. Are there bears? Are there poisonous snakes? Are there poisonous spiders? What are the dangers I need to be worried about? Um, what about my kid climbing trees? What do I do when it's cold? right? I'm, I'm afraid my child will be too cold. Moms with little ones and siblings where they want to get their toddlers or their bigger kids out um, and be able to enjoy the nature, but they're not sure what to do with their newborn or their infant. And how will I make sure they're warm? And all of these things are possible, but they're not possible unless you know how. 
And so I've gained so much knowledge over the last almost decade that I really just want to get this out there so that people can be empowered, like you said in the beginning, and feel that empowerment and feel that confidence and feel that sense of being okay with getting their kids out there because that will then pass on to the children. Yeah. I want to get to to those tips. Like I really want us to... I don't know, just if you can share from your knowledge about really how how to overcome these challenges with what to wear and what to do about, you know, the snakes and the and the bears and maybe ticks. But before that, I was wondering if if you have seen uh, with your family or with other kids um, how nature affects their mental health. I mean, for my kids, we're out two to three times a week, at least they're outside every day, but we're in the forest, usually two to three times a week in the summer, we're at the beach a little bit more, but I, so we have that consistency. And so I can tell you that when we don't have that, if there's a week where we're not getting that time, we feel it. So that's kind of like the reverse effect where we feel it when we're not there. I've seen families come to me. And when they first get started in one of my groups where they just getting started and getting outdoors and a lot of the challenges that they have disappear. So I have seen children who uh, in my own groups, especially children with ADHD or um, other challenges that they have uh, neurodivergencies where they really do thrive because there's no walls right? So sound will travel differently outdoors because you're not contained, right? So they are actually in a comfort zone and they can explore and they can connect. And there's the space for them where if they need to go in their own space to regulate, they can, right? Um, So I have a lot of kids with different neurodivergencies in my classes, and those parents are welcome to take their child and go for a walk separate from the class and come back when they're ready. And, you know, I have a few kids, like parents are finding each other in these groups so that they can go together. And it's very interesting. Those kids really gravitate to each other because they can Mm -hmm. feel that connection. Mm -hmm. And um, I have also seen kids who might come in where they are struggling socially or maybe anxiety or anything that they're kind of struggling with. Um, I've had a mom come where their child was in, in like a preschool setting. She took them out of preschool and started in my class. And a lot of the challenges she was having just disappeared. It took a few weeks and I try to manage that expectation and saying, you're not going to step into the forest. And in the first five minutes, everything's going to disappear. But I promise you that every time you show up, it's going to be worth it. And I've seen that over a few weeks time, how you start seeing the transformation where they become comfortable. They own that space. We meet in the same space over and over because the kids then become familiar with the area. And it's really beautiful to watch a child come in and observe and then watch each week as their comfort zone expands and then they become more creative. They become more interactive with the surroundings that they have. They connect with the other children more so because so many restrictions are removed when there's no walls. And there is a lot of research on the fact of how the color green impacts us, how the, um, just what the plants 
are giving off to us, right? Just being in that space. And, you know, in the summer, in the forest, it's like 10 degrees cooler mm-hmm. in the forest mm-hmm. than it is outside anywhere else. In the winter, you can be sheltered in the winter too, right? So like you can still find ways, like you can be warmer in the winter in the forest, right? Um, Because you're moving around and you're doing other things. You're not just sitting inside. So a lot of these things that people don't really think of, um, I know my kids will say, oh, it's going to be a rainy day. Can we go to the forest? Because they love to be there in the rain. There's tons of puddles. There's tons of mud. All of these things that they can interact with. There's sensory. It's like all of these things that children need. And to be honest, so do adults um, that really do help our mental health. It absolutely helps regulate. It helps us connect. It helps us de-stress. It really is something that we all need. And if we continue to be disconnected from it, um, that's where, you know, the nature deficit, like that is a real thing. And I, I encourage parents that screen time is not going anywhere. This is our future. This is like technology is not leaving. So it's important for us to see this. And as in my generation, you know, I didn't grow up with technology like this, right? So like I was able to, I just didn't have that distraction. We've had to grow into this evolve as technology has evolved. So it's important, like we have to help our children learn something that we're still learning. It's not like this has been around and we learned it as children and like we're passing this on. Like we are literally learning it now and technology moves very fast. So we have to embrace that screen time is going to be part of their lives. And we have to learn how to balance screen time with green time, because we don't want to lose the green time and we don't want to shun or shame the screen time. That's something we need and they're going to need. So how do we help them balance that? Not forget about the green time and also balance. I love this balance is not always equal. So balance does not mean, okay. Okay. So We've had a half an hour of screen time. We're going to half an hour of green time. Like that's not how it works. Every child, every human is different, right? So you have to figure out how screen time works in your family, what age your child is, what is developmentally appropriate, what you feel comfortable with and help them figure out how that fits into your life. And we do that by modeling it, Mm. right? So we have to be conscious of, okay, do they see me on my phone all the time? Do they see me sitting on my computer all the time? Are they seeing me disconnecting from that, right? So when we go to the forest, I'm very conscious when I'm in the forest, like I am not on my phone, right? I am connecting with the kids and I'm there. I might take a few pictures, but I want to be able to model that behavior. So it's something that I know is a big hot topic for a lot of parents on screen time. And it's okay to feel that because I think the reality is like, let's just be real, Screen time is new for all of us and it's evolved even in the last five years. So let's be gentle and kind to ourselves and just say, okay, we're all learning together and I'm going to help you learn how to balance this while I'm learning how to balance this. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you say about uh, the senses because one very big difference between being out in nature and being on a screen is that we engage all our senses when we're out in nature And I think that's a big part of that balance that you're talking about. Like, you know, today 
people go and have na intentional nature walks or just, you know, go on retreats and try to be mindful or meditations and nature just brings it to you uh, automatically. You don't have to try and do anything just by being in nature and exploring it. You have to, you have to wake up all your senses. Um, while when you're on a screen, it's just your your head is working. You don't even feel your body. You know, I know my kids, for example, I know they're hungry, but if they're watching a show right now, there is no way that they're going to stop the show and come to eat. Or, you know, they're, they're going to hold on uh, going to the bathroom or not. They're not going to pee until the show is over. Yes. So in nature, you're, you're connected to your body. And I think that's what's very, very powerful about it. Yes. And you, you are, and you have to allow yourself to, because it's one thing, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but like to take a walk in nature and put your iPod, like put your podcast in or something and walk and listen to something. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It depends on the experience you're looking for. And if you really want to deeply connect with nature, there's different ways to do it. And so what I tell people is if you need to get out and you need to listen to something, or you have something, a recording you have to listen to or something for work, like by all means do that because it's better to do that in nature than to not do it at all. However, if you want to take time to then deeply connect with nature, disconnect from the phone, disconnect from the sounds that we're putting into our, into our senses. And when you're taking a walk, and I do this on my, I, I offer free mom hikes. Um, it's donation only uh, to get moms out right? Um, the last thing we need is like trouble to make more time for ourselves, right? So I try to offer this once a month to moms to like get out. And during these hikes, we talk, we connect, we discuss anything that comes up. But I also take time to stop and listen and stop and observe. And this is something that our children will do for us when we're with our children in the forest. Mm -hmm. When we are alone without them, it's important to remember to do that. And this is one thing that I love about being outdoors with kids is because they, if you go and you observe and you experience this through their eyes, it is a completely different experience than if you're going for a hike and walking and talking with a friend. We could miss so many things. So the slowness and the intentional aspect of what children are exploring and deeply looking at things, especially I love those toddlers who are literally into every single little thing. Um, but like that grows with them and they, as they get older and they get taller, like they start seeing different things. And so as my kids have grown, we've experienced things in such different ways. And now I have a 13 year old. And when we went on a mother daughter hike, we, the, the pace was faster, but we still stopped and she still saw things. And I got to see it from her eyes. You know, like we observed like four different red hawk, red tail hawks as they were flying and we were so tall that we were at the height of the trees that we could see them like right eye level. It was incredible. If I wasn't with her, would I have seen that? Maybe because I'm intentionally doing that. But like, these are the things that children really help us remember to do. And that's one of my intentions with all of my groups is saying, okay, we're not in a rush going to the next spot. If the kids need to take 30 minutes to go somewhere, we're going to take 30 minutes to go somewhere that would have taken us five. Because along the way, we might see a wriggly worm. We might see a mud puddle. We might see a track. 
right? We might see an animal track. We might be able to spot some berries. We might be able to spot some poison ivy, right? We have all of these things that they will be curious about that we can then engage with them. And it allows them to slow down more so it allows us to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really healing for us. I mean, we can take that as an opportunity, right? For ourselves to heal, just go outside of nature and just enjoy it and look at it from their eyes and take it slowly. Um, Yeah. We have, we have a long driveway, so we have to go, we have to walk the driveway to go get the mail. Um, And it's like five minute walk if I do it by myself, but if I take my toddler with me, who is two, I take like an hour because <laughs> yes. I know we're going to stop every rock on the way. He's going to want to pick up and throw it in the little stream and everything is going to be like a very big deal. And I just love seeing his, his excitement of every little thing. Um, yeah. Every and- single thing is so magical and like it's new and I just love watching like these tiny humans experiencing these things for the very first time and just being curious over and over again and we children are wired for that they are wired to engage that way and to be curious and if we are trying to hurry things along and keep in a schedule we miss those opportunities and that's where a lot of this development and mental health comes into play for children because they need that touch. They need that smell. They need that um, crouching down to see something and looking under, climbing the tree, like all of this balance and climbing and rough play and, and running and just all of this physical uh, and just really connects to the mental aspect of things, yeah. uh, especially for children who are developing and it helps set them up for learning. And this is something that's so important, especially in those early years, like as they grow, the developmental need is changes. Like when they're younger and that under five, they need all of that climbing and that balance and instability and walking on the ground. That's like not cement and squishing in the mud. If I see a mud puddle, I am calling it out to the class and I'm like, I found a mud puddle. And we always hunt for mud puddles and share with our friends and we all step in it, right? So I always make sure you're wearing boots to my classes. You will be muddy. So it's so important for them to feel that. And I've had kids come to class that have sensory, you know, concerns and like maybe they're they're not too sure and they're not really they're not sure if they're going to touch the mud or they're not sure if they're going to touch the dirt or if they're going to do any of that. And then after a few weeks, they start to get more comfortable at maybe a few months. It depends on the child, but I've had a little boy who was in that one to two year age who just literally would not touch anything with his hands. And if he was walking, you know, toddling along and he fell and his hands, like he literally would make sure his hands did not touch the ground. And when he would get up, he would use his elbows. So it was like his gear helping him to get up. And After about five months in of being in my fall class, my winter class, and then spring came and he has started to stand up using his hands and his hands get dirty. And he kind of is like, brushes them off. And it's like, that was not okay five, six months ago, but because he's been exposed to it and seen that it's okay, it's allowed him to develop into that uh, comfort and 
I've seen this so many times for kids who are unsure of that. And it's such a natural way to expose kids to the senses, to the different temperatures, to different smells, to different textures, to experiencing different heights, climbing a tree that has been down, balancing on a nature balance beam, making a nature seesaw. All of these things are things that we did in the forest on our own, unsupervised, right? Uh, that kids need. Yeah. And it's the unstructured, it's the non-man-made things. It's things that they create and they see and they create because that is the, the imagination that they're experiencing there. It's not a structure that was made for them to play on. Yeah, It's they are connecting with nature and finding a way to have nature part of them. And it's just a very different connection. Yeah. And that's the learning. That's a lot of learning. That's it, what, what you just described. It's math. It's science, it's yes. physics, you know, yes. it's, it's, it's all the, you know, I, I'm not talking about it. even the social interactions where you learn and you learn about yourself, you know? Um, so yeah, just so much the, the uh, learning is intellectual it's learning even. Yeah. Yes. It's extensive how much learning happens. And it's interesting because we're most parents aren't ready to, uh, like, they're not aware to identify it that way. So I will point it out and make sure like that's part of what I do is say, okay, what we're doing right now, like this is part of engineering. We're learning how to balance this. This is, you know, part of math, like how they're connecting these things together, right? So there's just so much learning that happens uh, and it's a matter of the observation. Instead of directing and leading, it's the observing and all of my teachers, we call ourselves guides because we want all the kids to know that we're there alongside them, right? And we are here to hear their inquiries and hear what they're interested in and bring more of that to them. And when you dive deep into things that they're interested in, they will learn so much. And when they're given that free open play time, it brings that social aspect that you were talking about how yes. to interact. And all of my groups are in our multi-ages. I have um, ages two through 13 in my groups. And it's so wonderful to see how younger kids look up to their peers as mentors and how the older children find confidence in leadership and mentoring those younger children and working together. And what a six or seven or even 10 year old would do is going to be different than what I would do. And so that two, three, four year old is watching what these other kids will do. And it does, it influences them. So I'm very cautious when I'm bringing like bringing projects in that I don't do too much. And I often will have one of the older kids who have been with me for a while, like they are my helpers so that the children see a child doing it and not me. Yeah. Right. I want them to feel that connection uh, because I'm here to provide and I want you to create. And then there's there's no stress or pressure of like what is right or wrong. And then they start learning from each other. And this is like so magical bringing multi-age kids together, groups together and just how it really impacts everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's our natural way of learning. You know, because when we were hunter gatherers in the past for like 95% of our time yes. on this earth, uh, that's yes. how kids learn. They learned from each other. They would just walk around together in groups, 
with multi, you know, multi-age groups and they, they would just teach each other and take care of mm-hmm. each other and socialize and learn the culture norms and everything. It wasn't adults that were sitting and teaching anything. They were just observing them and trying to do the same as they did, right? So- yes, observing and providing resources. And, and when you observe, you're then there to know and give what the children, child needs. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, how we deal with those fears that we talked about before, uh, like the the snake, the poisonous snakes or the bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our area, there, there are a lot of ticks um, and the weather. There's a few tips for, for uh, parents on uh, how, how to get the kids outside in a safe way and also in a way that the parents will be, will feel comfortable, but, and the kids will feel comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. So I think this, I mean, we just talked about a lot of things, like we could spend another hour on just talking about how to handle these. But so the first thing I kind of want to suggest is that for parents to understand that it's okay to be uncomfortable, anything that we're doing that's new and we're not sure of, like knowledge really is power, right? It's very powerful when you understand something. So don't be overwhelmed with trying to go all in right away, because then you're going to hold back right? So let's figure out the first thing, where do you feel comfortable? And so some parents, it's like, okay, how do we just get outdoors, right? So if you just want to get out and handle, what is your environment? Do you have poison ivy? Do you have poison oak? Do you have ticks? Like all of those things, figure out what your environment is. Most of these things, right, can be uh, like what we just talked about, like bears and other animals are completely different um, conversation. But with, you know, poison ivy and ticks and stuff, a lot of that can be managed with staying on the trail and wearing proper gear just to start, right? So you cannot what, what know is- how, um, you cannot know how to identify it, but you can avoid it by wearing gear. And when I say gear, it's wearing a child in a rain suit, either a one piece rain suit or a two piece rain suit will protect their skin. And in the summer months, you can wear rain pants. You can put, you know, a pair of shorts underneath and a sun shirt, a very breathable sun shirt, not a swim shirt, because those are thicker, not as breathable. And that can actually protect their skin, keep them cool. And so if a child does go off the trail, goes to the side of the trail, you're not worried about their legs brushing up on poison ivy. So that's just one way to manage it while you're still learning how to identify it. And, um, this way you can feel comfortable about that because it's not realistic to have a toddler like walk in a straight line on a trail. It's not going to happen. They're going to see something. They're going to be interested in something. They're going to do that. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is to start learning how to identify it, how to identify poison ivy. Um, and for ticks, I, this is what I say about ticks. No matter what you do, whether you are covering up with clothing, covering up with gear, using a, a repellent, no matter what you choose to be your first prevention, always check. It's so important to check no matter what you do. So when you, when I say check, this is what I recommend. When you get back to the car, check. If you have little kids, have a bag that you can put their clothes in and change them at the car. And while you're changing them, do a quick check from head to toe. We start at the head and we work our all the way down to our toes and change their clothes. And when they get older, you'd still do a check, take off the outer layer, 
And when you get home, if it's ideal, take a shower because you will find them easier. And it just gives you that opportunity to do a full check. If a shower is not possible, that's fine. At bedtime, make sure you take a shower or a bath and do that too. And you can take any clothing that you wore and put it in the dryer and put it on a heat cycle for not too long, just five, 10 minutes. Uh, and that's it. Gear I leave outside so it doesn't come in the house. So just doing those few things can help prevent um, you know, any problems with ticks. I also then check us the next morning um, and then I check the next night. So it's a 24 hour cycle that I check so that I find something within those 24 hours and I'm checking three to four times. And it sounds like a lot, but we're talking, it might take one minute per child depending on how much wiggles they have. <laughs> and when you start doing this routinely every single time, it's like brushing your teeth. Every day we brush our teeth, right? Um, so we take, a, we do a tick check every time we get back from our hike. We take a shower when we get back from our hike. We check at bedtime. We check in the morning. That's just what we do. So it becomes a routine and it might take a few times if it's not something you've started from the very beginning, but give it time. New routines take time. We all know it takes toddlers how long to learn to brush their teeth consistently. So your expectation has to come from a place of reality. But if it's kind of like if you wear a bike helmet when you bike, you do a tick check when you hike. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to think about uh, more fears that we can address, maybe bears or what else? We can talk about bears. We can talk about, and we can talk about weather. Yes. Um, so with bears, you, um, first off, don't run. <laughs> know if there are, if you have bears in the area, usually most trails, marked trails will tell you and give you the warning. I know in New Jersey, we have those signs where they'll say, um, and they'll actually the instructions of what to do. If you do see a bear, if you have food, drop it. <laughs> don't run away with it. Um, if you have children with you, hold little one's hands so they don't run. And most importantly, you just want to back away slowly and make yourself big. I'm holding up my arms right now. Hold up your arms and stay calm and just back away. That's it. Uh, don't, and just don't run. Uh, bears can climb trees. Another thing they can run very quickly. And so I think just being aware of that is important. And um, with kids, I think it's also important to just prepare them for that. So when we go on a hike and um, I do check the area and I make sure that's the thing is like, check where you're going, right? Know where you're going. And every area is different. And it's usually very easy to look it up online. That's where the technology thing really comes in handy, right? And uh, so you can really easily look this up online and then it'll just, they'll tell you, the park system will tell you what to do. So you don't have to remember what I'm telling you right now. It's usually in information on the internet, very easy to find. But I think it's important to prepare kids for what they might experience and to make it not scary. So if you are calm, they will be calm. Yeah. So we were on a hike. It was a four hour hike in an area and it does have bears. We don't have bears in my very local area. If we have a bear, they're very lost. So, but in this area, there were bears and, but we knew what to look for. And we, I talked to everybody, the whole group before we went in, we had ages two through 13 that day. We had like nine kids and um, 11 kids. And, but we all talked about it. We said, what are we going to do? And how are we going to handle it? And understanding like, Hey, we're entering their home. So we just need to be respectful of that. When you're yeah. going into the forest, you're entering nature's home. 
So, you know, the snakes that are there, the insects that are there, the plants that are there, it's their home. So if we're respectful of that, we'll be okay. And, you know, I just addressed it very calmly so that the kids would understand. Uh, and we were fine. And at one point a hiker came by and he's like, oh, a bear was spotted on the trail and this. And I was like, okay, great. And so we talked about it again and reminded all the kids, well, what do we do if we see a bear, right? And all the, all the adults knew and we like, we were just scanning the area, making sure, right. So the kids could focus on hiking. Um, but we all knew what to do. And I think it's the repetition and letting them know it's okay. And there are going to be bears there that we're not going to see, and they're not going to bother us. Right. So I think just allowing them to know like, we're okay. Same snakes don't approach a snake (laughs) unless you know how to handle snakes. If you see a snake observe from a distance. Don't go up to the snake. Don't try to poke the snake. Don't try to grab the snake. Uh, snakes don't want you to bother them, right? So if they feel threatened, that's what happens. Most of most of na- these encounters in nature, it's like the animal feels threatened. That's their yes. instincts, right? Yeah. So if we respect them, they're likely going to respect us. And um, what was the other thing, weather, we were going to talk about? Yes. So for the four seasons, for the the different climates that we can have, we talked a little bit about summer and it really depends on your child's comfort level. And I think this is the number one thing with temperatures and weather is that realizing every child is different. I have three kids and they all run different temperatures. My oldest needs a layer less than me. She's always been that way. And then I have another child who needs a layer more than me. So trusting your child to communicate this is really important because every child doesn't need the same thing. So if they are refusing to wear an extra layer, they might not be able to communicate to you that it's too much, right? So in the summertime, I do recommend a nice breathable sun shirt because it will protect you from the sun. It'll let it be breathable and something that comes down to the wrists because then you're protected from the sun and from ticks. When you wear rain gear, the reason why I recommend rain gear, especially on young kids who are going to be closer to the leaves and be into all the things, is that the ticks can't really grab onto that material. So it provides an extra layer of protection. So everything we do to protect against ticks or, you know, walking against poison ivy, it's just another layer of protection that we can choose, all of its choices. And like the gear will also protect from poison ivy, but you have to be careful because the oils can get on the material. So if you know your child went through a bunch of poison ivy, uh, make sure that that gear, when you take it off, like take it off inside out and put it in a bag. I always have a bag. I use fresh direct bags, any kind of big bag that you can just throw a bunch of clothing in uh, and not have it all over your trunk so that it's not touching everything. Uh, So put all of that stuff in a bag. So then you have your used gear that you can deal with when you get home in the rainy months, rain gear, like just put on the rain gear and moms, dads, make sure you wear rain gear too, and have those rain boots on because you're going to jumping in puddles with kids is so fun and really healthy for us. uh, In the sense of adult mental health, if your kid finds a puddle, go jump in it with them. It's definitely fun. And I encourage you to do it. So rain boots, rain pants, the strap, there's usually an elastic strap underneath the pant leg. The pant leg goes over the boots and the elastic strap goes under the boot. And that helps keep the pants um, cinched and closed and sealed on the boot. And then you have two layers at that ankle level protecting them from water because they will step in the deep puddles. And then the um, rain jacket. Some kids love rain mittens. Some kids hate them. Uh, in the, those 
spring and fall-ish winter times, whereas that transition of weather and rain is kind of cold, the rain mittens are really nice because you can enjoy the rain and your hands are not cold and you can still play in the mud and stuff like that. They're really great. Um, and having a rain hat. If you wear glasses, parents, get a hat for yourself because I really, I wish there's no windshield wipers on my glasses. So I always wear a, a cap uh, because then it, like you have like a, an awning over your glasses and you will not be looking through raindrops the whole time. That's just like a little ha parent hack there. I love that. In the winter, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. in the winter, I'm telling you, we love winter. Don't miss out on winter. I know the cold is hard for so many people and some people, the heat is hard for some people. When you get to these extremes, especially in areas that are hotter and um, just realize that you don't have to be out for four hours. If you go out in the heat and in safe heat or safe cold, we're talking about safe conditions um, that we can dress for, for 20 or 30 minutes, that's way better than no minutes. So manage your expectations to what's realistic. If you have to say, look, it's really hot outside. I don't think I have more than 10 minutes in me. Fine. Do 10 minutes. If it takes you 10 minutes to gear up and 10 minutes outside and five minutes to pull all the gear off, you just had 10 minutes outside. So make that a win for you because it's better than not doing it at all. And then you'll see what I find when I recommend this is that those 10 minutes become 45. That's just the what kids probably don't want to come inside. The kids don't want to come inside. The kids are having fun. So why do you want to drag them back inside? So then everybody just ends up having fun. So manage the expectation of, you know what? We're just going to go. It's cold out. We're going to go for 30 minutes. We're going to walk around and then we're going to come home. Always pack food because you're thinking you're going to go there for 30 minutes and 90 minutes later, you're hungry and you're still exploring the forest in the cold. So if you wear the right layers here in the winter, I recommend a base layer. This can be wool or synthetic, no cotton. Cotton is going to absorb your sweat and that will make you cold, okay? So no cotton. If you're allergic to wool, there's lots of synthetic options. The second layer should be a fleece layer. You can do a second wool la layer over that if you want. Some people like a very loose wool over the, the, the base layer, or you can get fleece. I like using fleece because then it's it's um, it's very multi-purpose, just having a fleece around. Um, so put the fleece top and the fleece bottom. For little kids, you can get a one-piece fleece. They're great. And then the next layer would be your waterproof layer. Either you're layering underneath a rain gear set. Uh, rain gear is great. You can get rain gear through. In our area, you can use rain gear almost 10 months out of the year, depending on the winter we have, um, because you can really layer under rain gear and be warm enough. Um, or you're wearing a snowsuit. I love one pieces, especially for the littles. Uh, and I'm talking littles, I mean, until like eight years old, at least. I mean, I would put my 10 year old in a one piece if I could. They just don't usually make them. But the one pieces are great because they're more insulating, especially for the kids who are colder and have run a little bit cool um, where they need that extra insulation. They don't have that gap. I mean, the pants usually come up taller. The bibbed pants are good because it gives that extra layer under the jacket. Uh, so sensory kids might not like the one piece. Sensory kids might not like, I don't like elastic around my waist. So I get it, right? So 
uh, there's lots of different options here where you can wear the one piece, which is very flowy and will insulate really well. You can wear a two piece and or you can have the bib pants or the elastic pants. And it really just depends on what works best for your child and what feels comfortable on their body. It's most important that they wear what you have. So figure out what works for them so that they'll want to wear it. Uh, same thing for us. Make sure if you're gearing your kids, you get yourself warm too. And make sure you have the similar, similar, um, you know, gear that you have so that you can be there. Also, this is a really important tip for parents. When you go out with your kids, especially in the winter, you will stand around a lot more than they do. So make sure you have that extra layer. Your kids might be taking that fleece layer off. That's also why I like that fleece layer. Um, but make sure you have that extra warmth on you, especially if you run a little, you know, like you get cold easily because you're going to stand still more. Make sure your boots are really good insulated boots because your feet are going to be standing still on the ground more. Uh, for the kids' feet, really warm socks. Wool is great, but just make sure they're really warm socks. Again, no cotton. Try to avoid cotton for any layer on your skin, any layer at all, really. Uh, and then for boots in the winter, I do recommend an insulated boot um, and making sure that, you know, it's keeping your feet warm. You can use rain boots for a long time and, you know, using a good sock, but eventually you're going to want that insulating layer, especially on the bottom part, because the ground's going to be cold. Tip on the boots. Make sure when your kid tries on their boots, there is a good gap. More than you would buy in your sneakers. You buy sneakers to make sure they're a little big so they can grow into them. You want the boot to have a good amount of space. They need airflow to be warm. When your kid says your feet, their feet are cold and you're like, the boots still fit, they fit, but they don't have that extra space in the toes to circulate the air to keep them warm. Okay. So buy them a little bigger than you're thinking, because once they get too close to that toe, it's going to get cold. Um, and, uh, hats, balaclavas are great. A balaclava will go over your head and your ears and down your neck, and it will really insulate your head. And then you can wear a cap over it. And then I love wearing, um, you know, kids, it depends gloves or mittens. It's always the question gloves or mittens for really littles use mittens. They're warmer and easier to get on when your kids get older and they want more kind of flexibility and using their hands go for the gloves. But if their hands are getting cold. And this is for parents to really important wear a glove underneath your mittens because you will be warmer and then you can take your gloves off if you need to use your fingers, right? I will, I would wear gloves that had no fingertips when my kids were really little and I had to do like lots of little things to help them with. And I would literally say to them, okay, I'm going to help you. This is what we're going to do. And I would talk them through what we're going to do before I took off my mittens. And then I'd say, are you ready? Mommy's going to take her mittens off. And I would take my mittens off and then I would do what I needed to do and then get my mittens back on because you don't, we, we're going to get cold and we have to explain to the children wh why they learn these things from experience. So moms, it's okay to tell your kid, I don't want to be cold. And that's just a little hack for parents, like wear gloves under mittens, buy the mittens a little bit bigger, just like I talked about with the boots buy them a little bit bigger. So you have that circulation and you have that warmth and you also have the flexibility. Ski mittens are great because they come with the, the string that goes around your wrist. And when you pull off your mittens, they don't fall. They just stay attached to your wrist. It's really helpful. You don't have to find them when you're done helping your child with whatever they needed.
Now, when you're thinking of winter, just one more tip here. If your core stays warm, your body will be warm. I rarely wear gloves until it gets really, really cold because I keep my core and my, your core is like from your neck down to your belly, that whole space, like keep your heart warm is really true. So if you keep that space warm, the rest of your body will stay warm. If you are feeling hot, your kid is like, mom, I'm hot. I have too much stuff on. Take their hat off first because that will cool them off. It'll literally let some steam off from the top. Don't open the core first. Once your core cools down, it's harder to warm up. So the first thing to come off is hat and gloves. And if they need another layer, take off that fleece layer, but put that insulating layer back on. Because once that core gets cold, it will be harder to warm them up. And often they just need to take the hat off for a little bit, cool off and put the hat back on. Amazing. Thank you. That, those were some really valuable tips. Um, I loved what you say about first knowledge is power, you know, just know where you're going, know what the dangers are in, in your area and just, you know, that way you can prevent, or as, as you said, um, know where, where not to go or, you know, how to deal yes. with situations if you, if you, if you, if you come to deal with them. Um, I also like that you said that we as parents need to take care of ourselves, you know, buy ourselves good gear, have, you know, good boots, good mittens, good hats and good coats uh, and dress accordingly. Because I know that, you know, as moms, we normally take care of our kids and we're just, you know, put a jacket on ourselves and think we're going to be okay. But if we really want them to be outside, we have to be comfortable outside as well. So that's yes. a, great, a very important tip. Um, and also I like that you said, that we need to listen to our kids and they know what's comfortable for them uh, in, a, in, in, in what they are wearing, what, they, uh, what type of, of uh, rain gear they want to wear and uh, in terms of uh, how many layers they want to wear as well. So yep. yeah, just listen to them and, and trust that they know what their body needs. Um, because I know a lot of parents are like, um, you know, you're not going to go outside without your coat. But then the kids are just too hot and they're not comfortable outside. So just dress them. And if they, if they will be cold, they will ask for that other layer, right? They need to know what cold feels like. Mm. Yes. If we're always putting them in a million layers because we want to make sure they stay warm, they won't understand why, right? So I think it, I'm not saying let your kid be cold, but I'm saying like, if they're like, I'm too hot, let them feel what not too hot feels like and find what's comfortable because they're the only one in their skin, yeah. right? So we need to trust them and also allow them to feel where it is for them, right? Yeah. So, and also go into this knowing like the first time might, you might not get it right. That does not mean you failed. It means yes. you tried and you're figuring it out. So next time you do it a little differently. And yes. that's part of the process. So I, I always want parents to know, like, these are the things you can do. If there was a textbook on parenting, there would be a textbook on gear. Like we are all different humans. Allow yourself time to figure it out and don't feel overwhelmed. And as if you're not doing it right, because the first time you went out, this kid was hot and this kid was cold and this one didn't like this pant and that's going to happen. It's okay. That's yeah. where I love getting out in groups because then you have all these other moms saying that their kid did the same thing and you feel like a lot more normalized because, you know, like I'm very open and honest and I'm like, yeah, it, it was definitely a 45 minute, um, 
experience trying to get my kids out today. And we've been doing it ever since they've been little. So uh, it's, that's real, right? So it's not going to be picture perfect. Everything is every day. We're trying to figure things out with our kids because they're growing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we, we help them trust their bodies, right? Like we help them by, by letting them feel sensations if they're cold or if they're hot, we're helping them trust their own body and understand what they need. And that's part of problem solving. That's part of um, understanding their own body, right? That's part of them. Really, it's such an important learning skill, right? Of saying, hey, this is my need. Yes. And and then figuring out what that how to solve that need. Yeah. And you respect it. You respect the need. Yes. And you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to meet it, which is, yeah so 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 important uh for a lot of other reasons as well yes (laughs) not only going outside um i want one last thing um to talk to you because i feel like you know for we both homeschool homeschool our kids so it's easier for us to get them outside right we have more time but what do you say for kids for parents who whose kids are in school Mm -hmm. Yes, we do have a lot more flexibility because we can make those choices in our schedule. I, I would hesitate on saying it's easier. I would say that every parent could have challenges in getting them outside, but we do have a lot more flexibility in when. For parents that are in school, I think it needs to be a priority, just like anything else for your family. Uh, it just needs to become a priority of what you're doing and wanting to do it and start out with what's possible. So if weekends are too busy, if weekends are not possible, look at an after dinner walk, look at a before dinner walk, maybe walk home from the bus stop if you could, right? All of these things help you do more things outside. There's a lot of things that we do in our day to day that we can create outside time. And if you can't create three hours of getting outside, in your day, then let's look at what you can do. And maybe once a month you go out as a family and you take a nature hike and you go out with some friends and you, you have that time. And it, if you can't do it every single week or get out every day, it doesn't mean you're not doing it right. Right. We have to incorporate this into what's real. So whenever you're starting a new habit, you have to start with a win. I really like to start with a win. And I tell parents, I say, well, what can you do? Can you eat your meal outside? Can you have dinner outside, right? Can you take that walk around the block? That could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, right? I love taking meals out that outside with kids because cleanup's much easier. Um, that's one thing. So look at your schedule and make it a priority and then figure out what's actually possible and manage your expectation on it. And it's okay if it starts as 10 minutes, It's okay if it starts with once a week, you take a family walk after dinner in the summertime. And it's okay in winter if you're like, I, it's dark. We don't want to go out at night, you know, because it's dark out. So maybe you just, um, take, take a step out once a week and you have hot cocoa outside, right? Um, whether you have a backyard, a front yard, a porch, a park nearby, um, I would even encourage you to take the car and drive to a place and have some hot cocoa outside, right? Take a thermos and just do that. Uh, when you start making these things part of your routine, they become normal. And there's lots of things that we do every single week that are just normal to us because we've made them that way. So and this is one of the things I work with 
um, when I work with people one-on-one is we really talk about what their priorities are in getting outdoors and what feels comfortable. And we start with winning and then we build up to where they want to be. And so it needs to be a journey. If you want to be outside more with your kids, you will get there, but you have to start with what feels comfortable and what feels good and start winning and make it something that's normalizing for your family. And then it will grow from there because once you start doing it, it's going to feel good. I promise you never regret a walk outdoors. You never regret a hike, right? Um, I've had hikes go so wrong in so many ways, like in every way possible. And I still don't regret them, right? I would much rather deal with extreme emotions and um, kids just struggling with every single little thing outside than at home any day. Uh, It's just something about it. You know, I never regret it. uh, No matter how, no matter what happens getting there or while we're there or anything like that. So if you do it, I guarantee you will get something out of it. Amazing. Yeah. So make it a priority. Um, And start with what is possible for you, right? Start with a win. With a win. I like that. Um, Thank you so much, Claudine. Um, How can people connect with you if they want to hear more about your programs or your one-on-one coaching or your other offerings? They can find me. I have a website, outdoorplayconnection.com. You can go there. And you can also find me on Instagram, Outdoor Play Connection. You can DM me there. I try to keep things really comical and real uh, in my in my sharing there. Uh, I love to have people con- connect with me. And um, also, I would like to also recommend, if you don't mind, when people are looking for gear, you can find gear secondhand. I do tell all my communities, like we pass on gear from child to child um, with, you know, as kids grow, it's why it's so great to have an outdoor community together. But I do have two shops that I recommend. One is Biddle and Bop, which is run by a single mom of three girls. It's an online shop only. She is phenomenal. She has taught me everything I know about gear. Uh, She's a very good friend and a really wonderful person. She will help you figure out exactly what's right for your kids. Um, And that's biddleandbop.com. And also Outdoor School Shop is another company. They are also online and you can check them out. They have more adult gear too. So if parents are looking for stuff and these are two kind of smaller shops that you can support. Uh, I like supporting you know small businesses and they've been really wonderful in helping figure things out. So like just wanted to share that uh, if people are looking for finding gear. Awesome. I'll be sure to attach those links in the show notes also. So people will be, uh, it will be easier for people to find them. Um, Thank you so much, Claudine. This was really, really inspiring. And you really made me want to get out even more to nature with my kids right now. So wonderful. Thank you. And and I hope other parents uh, will get, will be inspired by this as well. I'm sure they will. I hope so. Thanks so much for having me. I absolutely love talking about this. So if people want to reach out, I'm happy to take a DM and, and chat about it because this really is a passion of mine to help families find their comfort in the outdoors. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you learned as much as I did and that you are inspired to get more outdoors with your kids, not only this summer, but also during the year. This is the last episode of this season. I'm taking the summer off to prepare the next season, which will be all about education. I will talk about how kids and people learn, 
and how we can parent in a way that will nurture our kids' self-drive and motivation for learning, and most importantly, to find their own path in life and grow up to be who they truly are. I hope you have enjoyed this season. If you did, please share it with other parents. I will still be very much active online on the Facebook group Marsupial Mamas and on my Instagram page marsupialmama.coach. You can also contact me on marsupialmama.efrat at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being here and for doing the best you can to be a better person and a parent. Love you all. Talk to you soon. hope you enjoyed this episode and was inspired to make small shifts in your parenting that will support your kids to bring forth their full potential while living a life of ease and well-being. To support the show, please make sure to subscribe and rate the show. Leaving a comment can be very helpful in promoting the show on the podcast platform. If you think that this can benefit other parents, please share this podcast with them. I invite you also to follow my Instagram account, Alternative Parenting Coach, and join my private Facebook group, Alternative Parenting, where I would love to hear your thoughts about the episode, what you learned, what inspired you, or what you didn't agree with. Your feedback is extremely valuable to me, as we are all in this process together, living, learning, and evolving. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon.